0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keenom, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Monday, April the 17th, 2023, Uh, talking to you, as always, from the West Coast of the United States. America is becoming an odd place, probably always was, but particularly these days when it comes to our conception of childhood and the way in which we're politicizing childhood one way or the other. Uh, the Republican Party in particular seems to be doing this. One of the headlines today is about one of Florida's wealthiest GOP donors who won't finance Ron DeSantis's presidential run because of his book bans. Uh, DeSantis is, of course, guilty of politicizing uh, reading and books as much as anyone uh, within the Republican Party. We did a show about this with a very distinguished children's writer, Kelly Yang, also on uh, the Roald Dahl uh, uh, controversy about what children should and shouldn't read and how uh, the language shouldn't, should or shouldn't change. Uh, she has a new book out, Finally Seen. Seems as if, Children's books, for one reason or other, are inevitably politicized. We also did a show last week uh, with the best-selling children's writer Brian Selznick, who has a new book out, Big Tree, about our environmental crisis. One way or the other, both on the left and right, everyone's thinking about children's literature and children's writing. My guest today is Jarrett Krausowska, who... um, is another best-selling children's writer. Many of you will be familiar with his work, Hey Kiddo. He has a follow-up to that, Sunshine, It's Just Out, How One Camp Taught Me About Life, Death, and Hope. It seems as if children's literature, in a way, is perhaps a little bit more serious than our our writing for adults. Jarrett is joining us from Northampton, where he lives in Massachusetts. Jarrett, is there some truth to this? You are... And I guess all children's writers are are very serious, but you seem to be a particularly serious uh, writer of children's books. Um, is that a, a fair description? Is it rather patronizing? Do you think?
1: Well, I guess I'm, I take everything that I do very seriously, and not all of my work is heavy in content. So the work that I've been doing for young adults, uh, for ages twelve and older your middle school
0: high school student. And um, I apologize. I, I say children's literature. You are of course a young adults writer, which in oh, itself is interesting.
1: No, but I do write books for 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 kids as well. So so Sunshine and hey Kiddo, they're both memoir. They're both true stories about my life, which you know, my life has always had heavier issues. However, I'm probably most known for the Lunch Lady graphic novels, which uh, they're very campy, lighthearted comics about a lunch lady who fights crime. And whereas those books are very different in tone and nature than, than Hey Kiddo and Sunshine, they are for a much different age group. Uh, My approach is very similar in that I'm bringing words and pictures together and using the words and pictures to communicate that story. And uh, the, the, my books for those younger readers for those seven to nine and 10 year olds are much more lighthearted and, and, Campy and goofy, although, albeit so, they might have some greater truths in them. Uh, So, you know, it's it's interesting because I don't. I guess I don't consider myself any one thing. You know, like I I make graphic novels, I make picture books. Like I'm a storyteller using words and pictures, and depending on the story, will will that will dictate, you know, sort of who the book is ultimately marketed towards. Uh, But all, all in all in all you know um even though the label might get slapped on the marketing material that the that hey kiddo and sunshine are for ages 12 and up you know that's not to be said that there might be a younger person who is dealing with a lot of those heavier issues might be ready for that text
0: jared it's a really interesting conversation does something happen to readers between the ages of say 9 and 14 i mean you talk about uh, your earlier work, a lot of people be familiar with your Lunch Lady series, which, as you say, is for the under nines. Um, and then this new book, Sunshine, and also, hey, kiddo, for, for, for the nine to 12, uh, for, sorry, for the 12, and up reader. Is there is there a moment, do you think, for children when they themselves either grow up or need to grow up? You know, I wouldn't
1: say that there's, you know, I don't think there'd be any way to pinpoint all kids as any kind of universal anything, right? So there there might be some readers that are ready for headier, heavier issues at age nine or 10. And then there might be some readers at 14, 15, who aren't not wanting to spend their time with headier issues. So for instance, for me coming up You know, I was I was I'm the son of a woman who was addicted to heroin and she spent the majority of my childhood in jail or halfway homes. And so I just really needed um, Garfield and Snoopy. Like like those those are books that entertain me thoroughly. I just really wanted Batman and the X-Men. I wanted I wanted nothing but escapism when I was going through those moments and those emotions. Um, I will say, though, that young people are always ready for new information, and they are far more capable at consuming and understanding bigger issues than we give them credit for.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there seems to be a phenomenon in which children are increasingly being treated as adults and adults as children. And maybe that was reflection of your own childhood. Um, Richard Powers' Bewilderment, for example, I think is uh, a best-selling novel, which treats the child at the heart of his novel as the all-knowing adult in an odd kind of way. Mm-hmm. Is something happening, Jared? I mean, as you say, your, your two books, The New One Sunshine and Hey, Kiddo, are both autobiographical, but your life was one in which, for better or worse, you were the adult in the relationship. Your mm-hmm. mother was addicted, and, and, and it was a very tough child. I mean, obviously a tough childhood for her, but for you as well that you were forced to grow up
1: yeah i mean i was a i was a child who yearned for childhood during childhood wow so, so explain a little bit more about
0: what that means
1: sure i mean even as a kid i understood that um, you know my life didn't look like uh, you know the childhoods that i saw reflected within the pages of books or in other media like film or tv it wasn't it wasn't an, it wasn't filled with just pure idealism of, of everything was flights of fancy and you know, there was the nuclear family and everything was safe and predictable. And, uh, and of course, so so many of our young people also deal with that today. And I think what at the heart of all of these, the book bans are, it's, it's the pearl clutching that happens when adults think that kids aren't ready for heavier issues. Where adults think that just because they don't have a particular lived experience in their homes, that anything beyond what their experience is is immoral, and that somehow exposing uh, young readers to other experiences is going to somehow corrupt them. Uh, ultimately, what reading about other experiences brings to us is empathy. So, what what the book banners really are doing is they're they're preventing. Empathy from growing and being fostered into young readers.
0: They're banning empathy. And perhaps in an odd way, we are at our most empathetic, Jarrett, when we're young. I, I'm guessing yeah. that one of the key messages in Sunshine is the importance of empathy in your own autobiography. Yes. And
1: so, where, you know, my first graphic memoir, Heikido, centers around my upbringing and dealing with. My mother's addiction and, and how I use art to help me and get me through. In Sunshine, Sunshine is about my time working as a camp counselor at a camp that served children with cancer and other life threatening illnesses. And that experience of being in service to others, specifically being in service to others who are experiencing such difficult life experiences, it created an insurmountable amount of empathy in me. And it really shifted my mindset. You know, it really helped getting getting to know the experiences of these campers helped me get out of my own head and and, and shifted my perspective of the trauma that I was living through um, and it helped helped me o- overcome and help me process what I was going through by understanding that I was not alone, you know, and that's something else that reading does for us is reading helps us understand that we are so far from being alone in this world.
0: you as you say, you, your book is partly about trauma, or the the experience of trauma f- for children. What about kids who are lucky, who who don't mm. have trauma in their lives? You know, and that's what I often think about when uh,
1: when someone's wanting to make a move to say, "Ban, hey kiddo," where you know how are luck- they
0: saying that? Are people oh. wanting to ban, "Hey kiddo"?
1: Uh, there have been several moves. I mean, there's there's two different levels of, of book banning, right? There's the book banning that we all know about and we hear about because it's on the news, uh, and there's there have been you know a few parents who have become crusaders against my book by by appearing on all of their their local news media outlets saying that the the language on the book is inappropriate for teen readers. But then there's also the soft censorship where um, librarians don't e- might not even get the book in the first place because they, they might know the ramifications of that. Uh, I was at a school once where, you know, the librarian knows that there are kids at the middle school, but they are, um, they would, they they would get such flack if it was automatically on, on the bookshelf. Uh, You know, they, I've, I've heard from eighth grade teachers who said like, they're just, they're not allowed to have my book available to their students. And which is
0: a shame because, might well, more favorite. than a shame, I'm guessing. That's yeah, more a, a, than a euphemism. Shame, this, you, you might use stronger language. Oh, uh, yeah. I was going to say, I was about to move from shame to, to
1: complete tragedy because um, it's a book that would help, one, help those readers understand what they're dealing with, but also helps you understand um, addictions. And so... Um, for those readers who are fortunate enough not to have these lived experiences, it can certainly help them understand what their peers are going through. because uh, at every school, there's there's going to be a young person who has addiction in their lives, who who has a parent with an addiction to alcohol or drugs. And for those peers to understand, what their friend might be going through is going to serve as such a great tool to, to help that friend through that experience.
0: Is there, though, um, Jared, a cultural war going on about sort of defining or redefining uh, childhood? I know that you're yeah. fighting back in a sense. Uh, you know, you said that some parents and schools are uncomfortable with your work. Um, you're being hosted, for example, I think, by the Bourne public schools about this new book. For better or worse, have the schools become and the libraries, have they become the the battlefield of our new cultural war? Yeah. And I, I have so much empathy
1: for for our school librarians who have found themselves in, in the center of this culture war. Uh, it is unfathomable the way that they're being treated, because um you know, they're, they're there to serve all of their students. They're not there to serve the the students of the loudest person in the room. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's stunning how, how people are taking steps and moves to ban books when, and so often they haven't read the full book. And I think it's, a big part of this is because some of the books that are at the top of the list of of being banned and challenged are graphic novels. they're They're visual books like like mine are. You know, one person takes a photo of a panel, that panel is taken completely out of context, tweeted as the whole of the book. and and that is that is what's like throwing the match on on the gasoline.
0: yeah, it's 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 not only troubling but it's bizarre isn't it jared um yes h- how would you make sense of it is it really just a problem with the rondesantises of the world or are you seeing it on the left too i know conservatives are very critical of of, of some people on the left who want to outlaw books about race and identity and the history of slavery of course the the stuff on roald dahl is is cleaning up his literature what is your feeling is it is it is it purely a conservative problem or is it a problem more broadly? I would say it's predominantly an issue that's happening from
1: conservatives because what they're doing and what I'm seeing is that they are going after whole groups of people and not wanting those groups of people to have, have space. You know, it, sometimes when I when I am in a more liberal area and I might talk to the librarian to ask if if they too are having issues with book banning, you know, there have been a few issue, times where librarians said, well, I have heard from, you know, this first grade parent who does not want me to have superhero comics because they, they think it too violent. And that's when she has to stop and explain to, you know, that liberal parent that that is still, re- that is restricting information from people who might want access to it. Cause there's a big difference when we're talking about, um, you know, what you might have in your own personal collection, right? So you as a parent have every right to uh, what, what book is brought into your home and, and, and what book your, your kid has. However, you don't have the right to restrict information from another young person that goes to school with your kid. In a, in a public setting, when public funds are, are funding that institution, um, you, you don't have the right to
0: say what is not allowed in someone else's home. I wonder whether there's a a broader cultural thing going on in not just, it's not just reading in schools, of course, Uh, DeSantis and the Republicans are politicizing schools in terms of guns and, um, and other areas of policy. How troublingly political, and, and, and you see this from the inside as a, as a young person's writer and you're going in and out of schools, giving readings, how politicized have, schools become? You know, I'm I'm not sure if I would say how politicized schools
1: have become. Um, The fact of the matter is, is that sometimes when we're talking about what's political, you know, unfortunately, identities have become political for some. So when you see the majority of books that are being banned and challenged are written by or are about people of color, about Black experiences or of the lgbtq plus experiences um you know by very nature unfortunately some of my peers like have to deal with their identities now being considered a political background i should say probably always have because they've been fighting for their equal rights for so many years
0: let's talk about the book um scott uh, sorry jared um it's it's your life lessons you learned as a camp 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 counselor um mm-hmm. um one of the reviews suggests that you use art to come to terms with your own difficult childhood is there some truth to that um is this new book in part an attempt to uh, i wouldn't say exercise but certainly uh think through what you went through as a child in terms of your relationship with your mother particularly yeah you know it, it didn't
1: go into the experience um, of of creating these books, thinking about the like the what this would do for my mental health in regards to like how how what this would be for my self journey, um my main goal was to be like I want to put this book out there so people can feel less alone if they've also lived this experience because I uh, feel this tremendous calling to 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 put my story out there for for young people to read. However, it's excruciatingly difficult to write memoir. Uh, you're often why why Jared?
0: Hmm? Why is it so excruciatingly difficult?
1: Well, you're often realizing that there are moments that you just haven't processed. Um, you know, memory is tricky, right? So memory can get buried. And so then the more digging you do at at looking at memories, like you discover other moments that you had just sort of sort of buried. Um, so it, it's it's akin to like going on a trip with the ghost of Christmas past. And, and going in and experiencing and being in those rooms again, both both good and bad, especially being that these are illustrated books. And there's one thing to write the story. You know, when I'm writing the story, that's words that make sentences, sentences that make paragraphs, and you step back, and it looks abstract. But when you're drawing it, you're making eye contact with these people again. You're, you're, you're in these rooms again. You're in this environment again. Uh, and... Like life itself, not every memory is awful and terrible. Some are wonderful and happy. Um, and there is like this heaviness that I have felt when I finished both books, where I thought, "Oh, now I'm kind of sad because it's over again. I'm sad because I I got to live in this time period again for for a little bit through
0: through the artwork in the book." Yeah, we've done some other. Graphic novel memoirs, one with a distinguished Canadian graphic artist a few months ago, you of course both write and illustrate your books um, What do your kids think of of, of your work uh, i know you've you've got some children um, yeah. is when you when you do when you when you draw and write this memoir is, is particularly when it comes to your own children and other relatives seeing this stuff is it harder to do the drawing or the writing
1: it's much more difficult to do the drawing because like like i said like you're you're face to face with these people again and so my kids are now age 14 11 and 6 and it's been interesting to watch them grow up and with with my work and initially they thought it was just something our local community knew about but as they get older and they get out into the world more you know be it from preschool to elementary school to middle school and into high school and, and going to summer camps and and meeting people who, who know dad's work. Uh, it, that's where it becomes a, a a much more like kind of weird thing for them to grow up with. Cause to me, I'm just, just dad, right. And uh, all the good and bad things were being dad for them. And uh, Hey kiddo, especially now as you know, while there's been moves to banning the book, there's also, Places where it's a part of the curriculum, so you know, my kids are going to have to deal with my book being required reading for them in high school.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm guessing, and I've had a little bit of experiences with my kids, they're simultaneously very proud and very embarrassed.
1: Yeah, that's exactly that must be such a conflict of emotions for them, but that's 100% it. That's 100% it. Um, certainly, you know, we've never shied away from the more difficult conversations with our kids, uh, so when it comes time to you know talk to them more intensely about the minute details of growing up and, and the dangers of drug addiction, they now have this, this volume of, of, of stories that are on the printed page that will be here for them to forever revisit or then
0: someday share with their kids as well. Jared, I know you, for a while at least, maybe during COVID, homeschooled your kids. Did you ever... Select your own books for homeschooling. <laughs> I hate reading my own books in general
1: because all I see is everything I'd want to change. Um, so when it comes to reading my books at bedtime, I, I tend to leave that to Gina, my wife, mom, to, to, to read every now and then I'd read my own books. But all I see is everything I'd, I'd, want, I'd want to
0: change. I know very sadly your mother is is no longer with us. Did, did she read uh, the first book? Uh, did she ever have an opportunity to read Hey Kiddo? And what do you think she would think of of that one and Sunshine? She didn't get a chance to read it. She died while I was making Hey Kiddo. She was aware that I was writing a book
1: about growing up. And even, even before Hey Kiddo became a book, as I was writing these other books, and she got to read Lunch Lady. She got to see all of my other picture books, you know, um, she she did give me the permission to like talk more openly about her drug addictions. Of course, like, you know, what's my story is my story, but my story is also intertwined with, with other people. And given that our last name is Krasoska, I, there'd be no way to create a fake name for her to be able to keep her, her privacy. So, um, and, and with all of this memoir, anyone who's featured in the book, I do share early drafts with them. To to give them the chance to say either like, oh, they remember things differently or they would rather not have their names in the books because uh, because I have this platform and I don't want to just drag people into the spotlight without their permission.
0: You might very briefly just tell us about Sunshine, just very briefly, because we want people to read the book about what this camp experience taught you about life, death and hope. Sure. So Sunshine is about my first week
1: working as a camp counselor at a camp for children with life-threatening illnesses. And uh, in the in the opening scene, there's my grandmother in the kitchen thinking, saying out loud, like, why would you wanna do this work? Isn't is gonna be incredibly sad. And uh, and and the experience of working at a camp for, for children with illnesses is so far from being sad. I mean, your your job as a camp counselor is to create an incredibly fun experience and and create escapism for these families. And you so quickly learn uh, that, okay, you so quickly look past, you know, bald heads or any kind of medical equipment to see that these are kids that are just kids. They're kids that are dealing with the unimaginable, but they're kids who are mischievous. There are kids who get into a little bit of trouble. There are kids who will do just about anything for uh ice cream or some candy and um and it was an amazingly powerful and fun experience uh that has has remained at at the front of my head for for decades now um and and would so forever on even if i hadn't written a book about it
0: well it's a wonderful your story is wonderful your work is wonderful sunshine's just out many uh Many of our viewers and listeners will be familiar with "Hey Kiddo." Congratulations on it all, um, Jarrett. Finally, <laughs> your own story is quite remarkable. Um, what advice would you give uh, kids watching, or parents of kids watching, who who are experiencing different chi- uh, difficult childhoods, no. who who like you are creative, ambitious? and want to get beyond what they're going through. I, I know that's a rather general question, but perhaps we might end with it. Sure, sure. Well, I tell people all the
1: time, you know, cause I visit a lot of schools and I give a lot of lectures and uh, you know, while well, I explained that art helped me escape my set of circumstances. And so, but art was my special intelligence and, and everybody has some sort of special intelligence that goes beyond what you get tested on for a state mandated test, right? So. You might have really good interpersonal skills you might have athletic intelligence you might have musical intelligence and so whatever it is that that your special intelligence is you can find a way to hone those skills you can find a way to make that your vocation you can find a way to use that and harness that to help you rise above and beyond
0: the current situation that you're in might we call these this special intelligence uh, a superpower yeah, absolutely call it a superpower, Andrew. Yes.